I remember the last time that we went to Israel, we were in Jerusalem. And we visited the Praetorium, the place where Pilate turned Jesus over to be crucified. And it doesn't look anything like it did then. I'm sure it was a broad courtyard then. Now it's, it's almost like a catacomb underground. They've discovered it, right? Things have been built over it. But etched into the floor of this praetorium was the game, some of the games that the Roman soldiers played with their subjects. And it was evidence of the very things that they were doing to him, mocking him, beating him, playing games, pretending, having sport with him. It was one of the most powerful parts of the experience. There were so many beautiful things. All the good stuff happened in Galilee. And when you're there traveling around, it's beautiful and green and lush. And then when you get to Jerusalem, you know, you're on this week that we're experiencing now in so many ways, Holy Week, as we move toward this night. But that moment in the Praetorium uh, was a moment for meditation and pondering, just like this is a moment for us tonight. And tonight we finish Jesus' I am statements in John, even though we're hearing Mark's gospel tonight, and that we hear the last I am statement Jesus ever proclaims during his earthly ministry. In the account of the gospel of John of this night, when Judas leads the soldiers to come and arrest Jesus, it states, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, who is it? That you want. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. When we first consider Jesus saying, I am he, we might wonder if this is truly an I am statement. Isn't he just answering the question? Yes and no. It should be noted that Jesus' statement in the Greek is simply the two words, I am, the very name of God. The he is implied, but I don't think the he is implied. Jesus is simply answering the guard's question by giving the most accurate answer of all, I am. Jason McKelly writes, At his passion, as his passion begins, there's no longer any predicate to his I am statements. There's no I am the way or I am the truth. There is just him. And Ian and Fleming Rutledge says, Precisely at the moment when his passion begins, Jesus unequivocally identifies himself as nothing less than the living presence of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe, the Lord who is and who was and who is to come. So it's crucial that we allow this to set the scene for all that followed, from the arrest all the way to the crucifixion. For as the soldiers and Judas literally fall to the ground at Jesus' words, it is easy to grasp that Jesus is actually in control of his own destiny. 
that he could use his power to wipe out every enemy who stood in his way were he to choose to do so. So it's clear that no one is forcing anything upon him. Rather, because of his great love for us, Jesus freely chooses to submit to the horrors that follow. Also tonight, as we walk with Jesus down this road, a road filled with darkness and mockery and sin and torture and murder, there's a looming question before us. Will we open our hearts to what this story proclaims, not only regarding the depths of Jesus' love for us, but also about the sinfulness of human beings? For tonight, we are like spectators at the scene, and as much and as such, we are duty-bound to confront our own human frailties and sin that are, in fact, a part of this story. For as much as the sins of those physically present throughout the trial and crucifixion put Jesus on the cross, our sins do too. We too are culpable. And in the same way, may we also acknowledge before God tonight in our heart of hearts that the sin Jesus chose to go to the cross and die for is not only a collection of individual sins, but also societal. Jesus is not murdered by an individual or a rogue rioting mob. No, he is unceremoniously executed by the largest and most powerful government in the world. One moral of this story is sin is found within the very systems and institutions humans construct to govern and fund our society. All levels of government, the places we work, the schools that teach our children, and the church itself. Sin infuses every part of human activity. And Jesus chose this night to die, to eradicate sin from every place, person, and institution in which it is found. As we consider the price Jesus paid to eradicate such sin, it's important to remember that Jesus also chose to experience all these horrors so that we can be confident that he can relate to the suffering and pain that is part of human life. Not only is he doing something out there or up there on the cross, he's also suffering these things so that we know that we know that God understands and has experienced what it means to be human, what it means to suffer and to die. For in addition to all Jesus suffered at the hands of sinners in a moment, as I read the final few verses of this story, Jesus will cry out at the top of his lungs, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Make no mistake, even after all the suffering he'd endured, This was the final straw. Jesus' humanity is on full display. As he experiences the absence of God's presence for the first time in all eternity. Jesus is experiencing the absence of God's presence for the first time in all 
of eternity. He is truly lost and forlorn. And we can take to heart that because Jesus is truly experiencing that abandonment on the cross in order to eradicate the sin that separated us from one another in God, that he also did so, that we can know that we know that he is one of us. He fully understands the frailty and the suffering we experience in life. And he will never leave us alone. Even when everything in our circumstance screams the opposite. And so tonight, as we take in the sacrifices God in his love is willing to make to ensure that we are freed from sin, may we not look away. May we face the individual and societal sin that put Jesus there. The sins of that day and the individual and societal sins of today. And may we acknowledge our own part in it. Yet, yet, may we do so, taking comfort from the hope found in Isaiah, who writes, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen.